Welcome to Any Gamers Podcast number 44, recorded on Tuesday, October 22nd, 2013. I'm your host, Evan Minto, also known as Vampvo. I'm the editor-in-chief of AnnieGamers.com. Who are these two guys? I am a contributing editor to AnnieGamers.com and writer of the Drunken Otaku column. And I am David Estrella. I am a lowly reviewer, but I am at the top of the list, so I get all the PR emails. Yeah, well, that's because of your last name. I, uh, I need to make a disclaimer and a bit of an announcement before we start this podcast. Uh, I... Wait, David hasn't reminded you two yet. That's true. Don't do... Now we have to reveal that we just tried to record this podcast and failed and had to restart. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like take two for us here. Uh, so I have a disclaimer and an announcement. Uh, if you were paying attention on Twitter and Annie Gamers and everywhere else, you already know this. But if you're like somebody who for some reason only listens to the podcast and cares nothing else for the rest of the site, you probably didn't hear this yet. So I am working as a software developer for Crunchyroll. Uh, Crunchyroll.com is an anime and Asian media streaming site. Uh, and they publish a lot of the anime that we talk about and that everybody talks about. So it's a little bit of a conflict of interest thing, and I completely understand if people uh, kind of like want to take everything I say about anime and Crunchyroll shows in particular with a grain of salt. However, I'll be doing my best to not be biased about things. You know, I'm not going to try to like sell you on watching a Crunchyroll show because I work at Crunchyroll, but I get it if people are skeptical. So with that said, we got some things to talk about, I guess. Uh, just a lot of anime, probably maybe some other things. Like so games? season. What are you guys watching in the new season? Hello, anybody? Anybody got something to talk about? The season's got shit. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm watching it's, shit. It's crap. It's no good. Except for the the one good thing. I haven't watched enough of it to really know how much shit there is, but I assume that everything I'm not watching is shit. That's actually kind of my way of going about life. Well, there's like one really good show and then like several shows that have limited potential that I'm there, still There's a lot of there's them. a lot of shows that are doing uh they're opening for the uh for the good show. The one good show. Let's mm. uh, let's hit some of the other ones before we hit the one good show that we all are watching, right? Ink, you're watching the one good show. I'm Let's watching see. the one good show. Yeah. I would right, love cool. if he has a differing opinion, and then we just find out at the very end. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, it's a different show. <laughs> Samurai Flamenco is the best, man. All right, you dropped the name. So what's Samurai Flamenco? I've heard a little bit about it, but I haven't uh, haven't seen it. Honestly, I wanted to watch the show from the beginning because it was called Samurai Flamenco. That's a pretty good name. It's yeah. Cool. Like I really had no idea what it was going to try to do or incorporate. And uh, when I when I tuned in and watched the first episode, I was like, oh, it's Kick-Ass, the anime. Cause what oh, it's yeah, ab- somebody told me about that. Yeah, what it's basically about is a guy who never really outgrew his fantasy of becoming a hero. So he decides to, you know, adopt the, oh, crap, uh, like the Super Sentai sort of uh, garb and uh, ways of life. The uh, tokusatsu. Um, mm. And goes around, you know, fighting local crime, which is jaywalkers and litter bugs and loiterers and stuff like that. Um, attracts... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, so there's like a fundamental issue with that, which is that he's fighting crime in Japan. <laughs> Pretty much. And he has no skills, no weapons, no etc. Um, so he actually doesn't fight crime in Japan. Crime in Japan fights him. Uh, <laughs> And not even, like, major league crime, just, Like, you know. not Yakuza? Exactly. Uh, and he befriends this this cop that seems to be stationed at some sort of, like, toll booth checkpoint. Uh, oh, that's a, probably a police box, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
you know, I've only watched two episodes. It's very much just a rehash of uh, Kick-Ass with a Japanese spin to it. Uh, The only sort of relevant spin on it is that the guy who wants to be a superhero is a model who is very mindful of the fact that he has no skills other than being a pretty face. So I kind of like the angle on it that it's someone who admittedly has no talents, no uh, skills, adopting this want-to-be persona. Like, he's so empty, he has to be something greater. And I like that angle, but I don't think they're really developing it all that much. Mm. It's been two episodes, so I don't know where they're going. Somebody told me that it's like Kick-Ass, but it sounded like it's a lot more comedy. And I haven't seen the Kick-Ass movie, but I mean, the the comic to me was like a pretty, it's like a mix of comedy and some pretty heavy drama in that. Um, So like, and you know, like pretty violent action and stuff. So, I mean, is this a lot more on the comedy side of things? I think so. And there's, there's more personal drama there's you you get the sense that this person is going nowhere and that he's sort of a hopeless loser waiting for his chance to shine that just will Mm. never come um but again it's it's two episodes in it hasn't really had a chance to develop but the characters have nice interactions and it, it carries the series so far so i'll watch you know a few more episodes but uh ultimately nothing really special what else we got david what are you watching yeah well um I've, uh, uh, since we did it the first time, uh, we'll switch it up this time. I'm uh, going to start talking about Valve Rave Season what 2. What first time? Yeah, what first time? There was no first time. This is all one take. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, so I've been watching the uh, second season of Valve Rave, which uh, I would almost not call it the second season because it begins pretty much right after where uh, the first half of it left off. Because uh, anime now is doing this thing where they'll they'll just take a break for uh, a season and then they just air the rest of the show. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool. The problem is because <laughs> because it's Valve Rave. Now I should explain, I guess, what Valve Rave is about to people who don't know. Valve Rave. David also reviewed it. Um, on yeah, the I site, did review it. So you'll probably get a, a better description of my really you know, hurried description that I'm going to give right now. It's uh, Valve Rave is about a bunch of space high schoolers who form their own independent nation after their colony is caught in the crossfire of a war between uh, two different nations, Gior and Dorcia. I think I, I think it's called Dorcia. I remember. Uh, the reason why they're uh, this is all this stuff is happening is because the in this uh, colony they've got these things called the Valve Raves, which are like these uh, these mecha. And it could be the, uh, you know, whoever, whichever nation holds these uh, valve rays could really turn the tides of the war. So that's how it started out. But the thing about this show that really sells it is just how it kind of it kind of reminded uh, everybody really who watched it about Code Geass, just the way uh, a lot of absurd plot twists would happen just all the time. Every episode was just something, some new development. And in that way, it was kind of addicting, you know, just to keep on seeing, like, where it would go. And, like, that that show definitely went some places. So, with the second season, it begins immediately after, uh, at the, after the ending of the, uh, first, uh, the first series. Now, I was pretty excited when I first, uh, when I started watching the second season. But now, I'm, my excitement's kind of tempered a little bit, because... 
I don't know what's going on, and that's probably because of the uh, the <laughs> summer that you know there were no Valbrave episodes, and now we're in the fall, and I've had a ton of stuff to care about that wasn't related to Valbrave, so I just have no idea what's going on. And the worst is that Valbrave expects me to you know to keep track of all these things that are happening. You know, this is a this is a really you know it's got a large cast, a lot of politics going on, a lot of names, a lot of terminology. But really, right now, I just kind of care to just see some wild insanity happening. And right now, I'm not getting that. It's kind of a normal show for now. Kind of just, like, reminds me of, uh, of like, you know, just kind of like a filler Gundam episode. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it's developing. It's getting to a slow start. It's, wouldn't, the way Valbrave start, uh, Season 2 started is not how I would have wanted it to have started, but, you know... Still early. There's only two episodes aired so far, so there might be some hope for how it ends. I'm only watching three shows. Uh, one of them is the awesome show that we're going to talk about near the end here, and one of them we talked about in the early show that never happened. Uh, so we'll <laughs> save that for a little later. And uh, the the third one is uh, not really that good. So this show is getting a bit of a, a bit of buzz. Like I'm hearing, definitely hearing people talk about it on Twitter and stuff. Uh, it's called Capellian. Uh, so Capellian's about three high school girls who travel into post-apocalyptic Tokyo, which is, there was like a nuclear uh, meltdown in the middle of Tokyo, uh, which, uh, you know, as we find out, you know, we find the details about like whose bright idea it was to build a giant volatile nuclear uh nuclear plant like dead center in the middle of tokyo and then let it explode uh so all of tokyo is like a wasteland right and there are some survivors left but nobody can survive the radiation and these girls are genetically engineered to be able to survive it and they don't need any armor all they need is their school girl uniforms because anyway. <laughs> uh totally is there like there, yeah right is there um yeah i'm waiting for that that like episode where they're like well they need the schoolgirl uniforms you see because they provide mobility it's planet it's exactly like that other good show except not as good capellian is like a kind of interesting concept other than the stupid fact that like you know everything has to always be high school girls because of you know the the anime yeah, well, demographics and trying well, to get the otaku i mean first of all everything we're gonna talk about is about high schoolers by the way i know it's that's terrible just, that's just, Not everything. just a given right now high school is the the greatest time of your life oh wait no it's not nobody likes high school no they're selling you ideal idealized visions of what it could have been like for you if you were interested that's right you could have been piloting a robot you could have been walking through the nuclear wasteland of tokyo yeah. <laughs> um, oh but you would have walked through it you would have walked through it in style yeah i guess uh and like watch people die and fail to save people and all sorts of other sad things that happen in Capellian. So Capellian is like trying to be this tragic, deep thing. By the way, I, I'm using that ironically because I hate it when people call something deep and then don't describe deep it with anything caps. else. It's deep, man. It's like Evangelion. It's deep. So Capellian is like, you know, it's trying to be this dark thing about all of these. Uh, I guess it's trying to say something. But one of my issues is that it never really says anything. It's just like bad stuff happens and it wants you to feel bad about it i guess 
uh, so I don't want to spoil things, but some people die and some people are suffering because of being in the nuclear wasteland. And actually, so like, this is not really, uh, so much my original critique because this was pointed out by uh by bamboo dong from uh anime news network but she, she pointed out and then like i was unable to uh to stop seeing it in the show how much they talk about being the like because they're genetically engineered they, these girls are always like but aren't we just dolls being used <laughs> and they talk about it every episode over and over so it's like it's clear the show is trying to say something but it's just so blunt and it's never like none of the stories have any interesting arcs to them they're kind of very predictable uh so it's this show that i guess is trying it's trying to be something but it's not really doing anything interesting at all so it's like it's barely even worth talking about because it's not bad uh and i mean technically it, it's actually sort of nice looking the backgrounds are really cool uh they're these kind of very detailed backgrounds of uh you know this overgrown city right the the buildings are all broken down and the plants have have grown over them and stuff like that which i guess i don't they don't really explain the plants growing over it in you know with the nuclear uh radiation i figured that would maybe harm the plants but whatever they've adapted uh, and survived yeah, they've grown yeah, that's, stronger. That's stronger than us that's, well there's also like a dog that's stronger than us i guess and they don't know why the dog is surviving um but yeah, the character—I'm not a huge fan of the character designs. They're actually a little—they're almost a little bit of like a throwback. They're not s extremely moe. They are a little more angular and remind me more of something that we might have seen a couple years ago. Uh, but they're also a little bit ugly, and it falls into that trap of like the main characters are kind of well designed, and then every single side character looks terrible. <laughs> Um, I actually didn't do a ton of research on it. I believe it's based on a manga. Yeah, I think the um, show was a long time in coming. There were a lot of delays. Yes, and I think the delays came from the fact that it, uh, I think it was going to come out sometime around the, uh, the Fukushima disaster, and they had to postpone it because, obviously, that was a pretty sensitive topic. Taste. Nuclear meltdowns and things. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I uh, guess now that the show is out, that's, like, what, two years, give or take? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's, like, you know, the expiration date on that, uh, sort of thing. As long as, uh, as far as, you know, anime Yeah, I mean, goes. I, I, I think it's not really, you know, they don't have to wait that long. I don't think it's, like, inappropriate to put it out now. It's not like it's about Fukushima. The animation's pretty limited sometimes, too. And it's it doesn't really do a ton of, like, cool action, so it, it kind of falls in this middle ground where it's not doing great action, it's not doing great drama, and its occasional attempts at comedy are certainly nothing to stick around for. But it's doing a great job at existing, right? It, that's exactly <laughs> what it's doing. It's just existing. It's just a show that's there. Uh, so I'm watching it just to try to watch something other than things that I absolutely 100% love because I like to get a sense for what's out there when I ha actually have time to. So what else we got? I've been continuing a lot of stuff this season, but mm. I haven't yeah, been I watching. See on your list. I haven't been watching a whole lot of what's been offered this season aside from the main show. Um, but you know, <laughs> people... dancing around this thing. I know, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll Everybody knows what it is. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. I'll take this opportunity to say, why aren't you watching Space Brothers for all the people? Uh, who it's a hundred episodes it. long. It's too long. Yeah. You should have started when it began. <laughs> That's because not a good argument. It's when, been when delicious it began, ever there were, since. There were shows that I wanted to watch. They're, they're yeah, each... that started in like the greatest season of all. 
of all like time. The last two years, it not started all time. In, all time. In, hey, it started in April and April 2012, I think. It was um, the season where like a ton of cool stuff was coming out. Yeah. That was the season with uh, uh, Fujiko Mine and Kids on the Slope. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's been going strong ever since. There's not a single bad episode except I've, for maybe the I've rehash stuff, episodes. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's it's personal. It's touching. It's it's real life. I mean, it's, it's slightly future sci-fi, if you want to put it in that category. But overall, I mean... Every freaking week, there, there's it's a cliffhanger. It's it's emotionally gripping. There's no reason to stop watching it. So <laughs> everyone should start watching it and just continue on. You know, a couple episodes at a time. You'll catch up eventually. I don't know, but you're talking, you're talking to like, well, I mean, Evan for sure, but me as well. Like you're talking to the guys that you know. When we see, you know, that the episode count is in the triple digits, we just kind of back away. There's no triple digits. It's up to seventy-two. It's gonna get 70, there. It's seventy-two now. It'll get, It'll there, get there, but you know. At this, at this point, I just look at the episode length and go like, "Oh, is this episode more than five minutes long?" Uh, I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's talk about Take You. Because I think we we need to get into Take You because Take You is amazing. Uh, Take You is not the show that we're waiting to talk about, though. It's the other really good show, though. So. Uh, David introduced me to Take You, which is something that looks like something I would hate. Uh, so it's like yeah, it actually took a lot of effort to get you on that. Oh yeah, it's it it it's actually like probably good to explain it by first explaining the really lame premise that you would typically not be interested in watching. So it's about four girls who are in the tennis club at their high school and they they do stuff, but they don't play a lot of tennis. Sounds good, huh? Sounds like a great anime right there. Right, right. The thing about Take You is that it, uh, like, David, you, I'll let you explain it. We let you explain it last time. You did a good job. Really? Last time? Uh, all right. So if I could remember what I said last time, I might even say something completely different. The thing about <laughs> Take You is that even though the premise is just kind of, you know, standard for anime, you know, four girls in a club, not doing club activities, but getting into antics, is that these antics, like, you know, you've got your normal comedy comedy animes and it's like you know 12 episodes pretty okay you know a lot of weak moments a lot of filler you know to actually get to the jokes so you know what take you does is we're gonna save a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of budget we're gonna take all those jokes and we're just gonna cram them into this one minute and we're not we're not gonna hold back yeah that's like the best way to describe it is that it's a full episode of anime yes. crammed even, into two minutes even if it you know like even though it's just you know single minute counts it uh it gets a lot done in that, you know, those, uh, the, the, that little amount of time. And it's, I mean, it's like super hyperactive. The characters talk really fast. There is basically no gap between the jokes. Characters just cut each other off. And uh, that's actually one of the cool parts about it is that there are so many jokes in it that if you don't get a joke or there's a joke that you like don't find funny or you think is in bad taste or anything, right? If there's just a joke you don't like, there's another one coming in Not like even a like second, another so one. don't like, worry about it. By the time you get around to whether, you know, deciding if you found the <laughs> yeah, joke was funny or not, there's been opinion. five new jokes. <laughs> So you don't yeah. even get any chance to rest, you know. Actually, watching all that is a little, it's a little exhausting at how good it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, you will, you will laugh straight through all two minutes of each episode. <laughs> you may have to like pause because you're laughing so hard, and then like start again because you'll miss half the episode. All right. Yeah. No, I just I go back, but the thing is, though, like you kind of have to calculate it because it's like I gotta just move like a second back. Yeah. It's yeah. It's super fun. It's kind of ridiculous how fun it is 
just considering, you know, it's a stupid premise. Uh, and actually, you know what? Some of those jokes probably wouldn't be nearly as funny were they not delivered at a that breakneck pace, too. I mean, right, that's like, part of the joke. The thing is, though, like, normal anime would just kind of stretch it out until it's unbearable. Right. Yeah, that's true, right? So they just they throw them in, and you're like, oh, that's funny. Oh, maybe that wasn't that clever, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a barrage. It's not supposed to, you know, it's just, just spray and pray. Yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the most entertaining things I've seen. And just, like, this complete unexpected thing. You look at the character designs, and it looks like anything else it has nothing distinctive visually actually yeah i started uh i started watching the um what was it yeah i started watching uh what, what they call is season three but it really is just a continuation i don't even know why they're cutting it up into seasons yeah, yeah. but um yeah that's part of the joke probably but uh <laughs> the opening has just straight up panty shots the whole time it and it's, it's still just... funny <laughs> Somehow, you know, like even, you know, even when they're going for like, like the lowest of the low, you know, it's just, it kind of works at the, at the, with the way they do it. And you know what, you you know, what's kind of charming about it is that I, I never really feel like it's a parody of that kind of anime. You know, it just kind of is that. Sincere. Yeah, it's, it's. It's never being like this kind of cynical, like, <laughs> isn't this anime dumb? It's like, well, why don't we just like make that, but make it crazier? And I, th- yeah, I do think that's like more genuine. Um, it's probably also worth talking about the fact that the animation is like very intentionally low quality, oh, which is yeah. awesome. And this comes from from Mappa and Masaru Mariyama. So these are the people who made Kids on the Slope, uh, which is like a lushly animated thing with like super awesome detailed uh, musical animation to people playing drums and piano and stuff like that and then they're like hey let's like make this thing where the characters have like a couple frames of movement and then we just kind of move them around the frame and you know have them gesticulate with two frames they did that like right like immediately after it's like they have kids on the slope and then they have take you and they have yeah. i don't think they've done any other show right i don't the, know of anything else they i think they've done like some uh they've done side like stuff where they're helping other studios stuff. yeah but they haven't done like a show for them themselves besides take you not that i know of uh somebody could you know if you know a show that we didn't mention email us at podcast at anygamers.com if we're if we're just forgetting because yeah because i don't I, I if i if there was another mappa show i would probably know it oh yeah I would watch it too, because at this point I've liked both of those things that they made. So, at least as far as Otakon, the only thing uh, Mariyama said they did was Kids on the Slope. Like he didn't even acknowledge uh, Take You in his Q and A. Brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's but that's a uh, that's a really good show. Everybody should watch that. Who's next in the uh, the circuit that we've got here? I think it's you, David. It's you, it's and me. then we're hitting the big one. I think it's me, right? Uh, what Talk about the about? the K and K, the new K and K, the fake K and K, the not not right. real K and K. Yeah. So uh, Kyoto Animation decided to do a show with the uh, acronym K and K, and it's uh, it's not living up to that acronym. Now, if nobody has any idea what I'm talking about, you know. Uh, by the way, uh, what I'm referring to is the good K and K is Kara no Kyokai, done by UFO Table said it right right sure uh yeah i think so ufo table or is it ufo table U- oh no no it's ufo because i think they say uh in japan they say ufo or at least i've seen it like oh, okay that. it's like water. ubisoft right yeah yeah like it's little... like no ufo table yeah yeah ufo table uh, a little bit of trivia there uh but no the bad uh well, not not even bad it's just kind of middling yeah yeah uh, almost okay k and k is um kyokai no kanata and I did mention it was Kyoto Animation, right? I believe so. 
Yeah, because that's an important detail. Because um, first it yeah, started yeah. out as a light novel, and then Kyoto Animation did a trailer for it before it was going to be a show, and that trailer was so good. I was thinking, you know, like, if Kyoto Animation did this show, they would probably change everybody's, like, you know, it would just be a complete change for them after, like, what the they've been doing. Yeah, pretty much. It would pretty much be uh, some actual progress and growth as a studio it's just been kind of comfortable doing what they do for uh, the last decade or so so i mean it doesn't the truth is it doesn't diverge too much from the formula that they've got so the premise is that it's a bunch of high schoolers a bunch of magical high schoolers there's like a secret magic world that uh normal humans aren't aware of and uh the world is uh, i wouldn't even say overrun i, I would say overrun in terms of like uh like a like a like a pest or something, but there are these things called the Yomu. They uh, they kill these things so that they can gain money. It's never really explained where they're getting <laughs> the money from. They just kind of sell these, because the Yomu drop rocks, these shiny rocks, because you know it's like a, it's like a like a you know because like you know things in light novels are exactly like video games, and I'm pretty sure there's probably a line somewhere in there where they're all like, oh, it's just like a video game. So that's clever, David. Yeah, they they understand. They broke the fourth wall, kind mm-hmm. of. Kind of mentioning, really. uh, you know, media and stuff weirdness. Anyway, so that's the idea, and I mean, it's it. You could go somewhere with this, but Kyoto Animation, just being who they are, is kind of like, ah, no, just chill out, guys. Don't even put too much effort into the writing, because they just steal from stuff we actually uh realized this in the non-existent first take of this podcast that um first of all you've got this uh super cynical uh super cynical protagonist so always just making comments and he's just kind of like teetering on he's just like he wants to say that he's living out an anime he's that kind of protagonist <laughs> which is so he's just so aware of his surroundings and it's kind of annoying and uh yeah and, but uh and then there's the other character like the i guess like the, the the poster girl for this show the um a girl named mirai whose only defining features that she wears red glasses oh snap i know right that's like a big deal You're, david we can that, tell a lot about that is actually on a big that. deal hey, and, that's and the an worst... entire anime man they, they've got an entire anime built around people who wear glasses oh yeah yeah there's yeah, that, that there's people one. people watching that megumi I mean, just... yeah. or something something like that Meganebu. literally glasses club Nice. Yeah, it's just glasses are awesome. Everybody knows it. I Check mean... my Twitter <laughs> image for to tell why I say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we already know how uh, anime isn't exactly uh, hitting, you know, trying to aim for the fences here. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this girl, her magic ability is that she's the last of her glasses? line. That's her magic ability? Glasses. Yeah, her, her, that's her, no, that's her secondary. <laughs> she red glasses. That's her secondary ability. Oh, yeah, okay. But uh, no, nah, her main thing is that she uh, she controls blood, so she makes weapons out of her blood. She makes a sword. Uh, but, Dead man know, she's like huh? she's really dangerous, you know. But she's really cute too. So it's kind of like these, like you know, this. Oh, is, two wait, sides. is this in an anime? You're telling me this is an anime with a character who's really dangerous and really cute too. Oh god! But because it's Kyoto Animation, <laughs> they just made her insufferably cute. It's so. Oh right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just oh, it's too sugary for me, really. <laughs> And that's, that's the problem, though. That's the blood in there. Yeah, that's the problem, though, because from uh, from the trailer, like, I was really hyped up. I thought, you know, Kyoto Animation was just going to not do what they've been doing. This for... is why you don't watch trailers, David. No, but this wasn't even a trailer for the anime. This was a trailer for the book. This was like, don't you know, not... Don't watch trailers for books, either. <laughs> well, I mean, I've learned my lesson now. Don't watch trailers <laughs> for, for books. Not, not even books, light novels. 
Light novels are like on a different, you know. Unless you actually a... read them instead of watch them. Yeah. No, man, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to read all this writing because this writing is the worst. Did the person who write the uh, who wrote the uh, I guess the screenplay um, actually write the write the uh, light novels as well? Here's the thing, though. I'm not exactly sure, but this light novel is kind of affiliated with uh, Kyoto Animation before oh, no. anything, uh, anything like happened with the anime. So I'm thinking like this is like a really kind of committee engineered thing as well. Mm, yeah, mm. like because, a multimedia thing. Because yeah. Kyoto Animation, um, uh, they do an awards thing for light novels, which is just their way of saying, you know, send us a bunch of potential things that we might want to make for a show. Just to oh. you know, just to give you an idea of how little effort they're putting into <laughs> into actually writing any of these shows. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm seeing at least on Wikipedia. So believe this if you want to. Um, that the work the the book won an honorable honorable mention in the Kyoto Animation Award competition in 2011. So there's some some connection there at least. Yeah. So there, I mean, there is something going on, and it's like not oh, and nothing. They, and they published it. They published it. Oh. Oh. Oh, I guess after yeah, maybe I guess after it won the award. Yeah, that's I mean, probably it's... The, the, that's probably the prize for the award is that the the you know your book gets published by them. Yeah, I mean, I'm like I'm not even gonna I'm not I'm not gonna insinuate anything because I mean it's just this it doesn't it's not it's not performing at any level where I'm saying you know, like oh mm. so there's some nefarious scheme going on where oh, Kyoto yeah. Animation's taking in a. <laughs> other people's work to not do any effort in terms of writing but uh since whoever wrote this didn't really come through with their a game in terms of writing well has well wait wait, wait. has has kyoto animation done an original series i'm trying to think of i guess free this is free original? tamako market i think was the uh okay first original show they did i'm not so sure on that yeah free, i don't keep up with them so free, free I think, was, was original, original yeah. or no it wasn't a manga first i think no okay it was purely know. like crowdsourced sure. suggestion. <laughs> I think yeah, I think uh, I think free was actually done inside uh, Kyoto Animation. Okay, yeah, I was I was gonna say though, like some of the the things you've said about like you know Kyoto Animation, you know, taking things that are in other anime or whatever. I mean, arguably they they may have had something to do with the book, but I mean they are adapting a book, right? Mm-hmm. This book is presumably at least in part written by that author who is probably largely to blame for like the major story conceits <laughs> being there i mean you know that's just uh just light novels you know what people are expecting i mean there are some crazy light novels which are just kind of like you know nothing at all but they are i mean they're pretty much uh almost screenplays geared for uh you know right. getting into getting animated yeah if he actually hasn't read the source material i mean it's pretty much conjecture anyway you see it yeah 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 we, none of us have read it so mm-hmm. we yeah we don't know what we're talking about in terms of the book but i mean pr- presumably some of we're you just know, we're just making of, assumptions we're just pulling stuff out of air right now presumably some of those major things from the story come from the book and kyoto animation you know just decided how to implement it so we've exhausted our list of things you don't want to watch and one thing or a couple things you do want to watch let's talk about the big one there's a show called kill la kill that is streaming on the internet have you you guys watched that show watch everybody go watch it we're gonna not spoil it when we talk about it here because not spoiled we're not we're not reviewing it and i don't i want people to go watch it so uh Streaming on Crunchyroll.com. Uh, Kill La Kill is also on Anaplex.com. Um, I think Anaplex might have it. Uh, feel free to watch it somewhere other than Crunchyroll if you hate me. Uh, 
If you don't oh, want to wait, pay Evan's salary, Dice-ky. watch it somewhere other than Crunchyroll.com. That's right, that's right. I, th- I think Daisuke has it. Let me double check. Yeah, Daisuke, uh, I think, has it. Yeah, so if you know, if you like are angry at me for trying to get you to watch a Crunchyroll show, just watch it on Daisuke. It is on Daisuke. Uh, Kill La Kill is from Studio Trigger, who are uh, the best people in anime. They have so far made the two best anime of 2013, and they might have the other <laughs> best anime of 2013. Uh, the first two are, of course, Inferno Wait. Cop and Little Witch Academia. I thought you were going to say they did Flowers of Evil. Because obviously that's the oh. that's the best anime. Oh, you're alone on that one. You're you're sitting alone. <laughs> I've got such good company on in that some one. unidentified <laughs> island with like a bunch of lunatics. <laughs> we got uh, it. Yeah. No, but le- I haven't seen that, so it can't be the best. Uh, the best are Inferno Cop and Little Witch Academia. Are those the it's only anime real. you've seen this year? No, those are the only anime I've seen. But but now I'm gonna ask you. May those as well be the only anime you've seen this year. I don't know what you mean. What I mean is, if you had the option to just to forget watch nothing else? those other animes that you've seen, are those two the only ones worth watching? Uh, probably. But also Kill a Kill. Oh, right. So, a bit of explanation on who Studio Trigger is, because that's actually pretty important. Uh, Studio Trigger is founded by Hiroyuki Imaishi, who uh, not a ton of people know. I mean, probably like the community of people who listen to this podcast probably know who he is but uh he directed Gurren Lagann and Penny and Stocking with Garterbelt and uh, also I think was an animation director on uh on Fooly Cooly so that's like a, a bit of a big deal and he directed uh, Dead Leaves which was like before working with uh with Gynax and he has this really distinctive style he likes to do uh he, he tends to like to like kind of simplify his animation so that it's not like it's not really detailed but it has a lot of expression to it and he's also insane so it's very uh, animated of, very animated yeah. comics sort of thing right i mean he he likes drills a lot he infamously has a character named drill dick in dead leaves who has a dick shaped like a drill <laughs> Um, really living actually, up to his name. Probably one of the best ways to sum up what Imaishi makes is uh, there's a great line in the commentary track for Dead Leaves where he's talking about a uh, he's talking about working with the composer on a particular scene and he's like the composer was a real stickler about the shitting scene. <laughs> so that's like. That gives you a sense for the kind of like attention to detail and the the artistry that Imaishi has about being completely insane. Uh, so that's kind of why I love him. And Kill a Kill, you know, he he created. Uh, I should say like he was working at Gynax and took a bunch of people from Gynax and spun them off into a studio called Trigger. So they made uh, Inferno Cop, which is like almost impossible for me to describe off the top of my head. I still haven't figured out how to tell people what it is. Inferno Cop's just just complete non sequitur humor and almost like anti animation. They animate as little as possible in the show. Uh, and Little Witch Academia is also Trigger, and that's uh, this amazingly animated short about a bunch of witches in a school fighting dragons and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, so Kill La Kill is the first time that Imaishi himself is directing something with Trigger. So he's been kind of, you know, pulling strings from the behind the scenes you know you could see his his influence on something like inferno cop but he didn't direct it so kill la kill is his return to uh directing anime and you know with his own studio so he can do whatever he wants at trigger 
It also has the same writer as Gurren Lagann, and I cannot remember the name off the top of my head, but they are working together again for the first time since Gurren Lagann. So we're all watching Kill la Kill, right? Yep. What do you guys think? Had me hooked from day one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, man, where do basically. I? Yeah, I it's, <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to start just where to love it. It is. If, if you don't, I mean, it's got this uber-hyperness about yeah. it that... So it's actually a bit comparable to take you, but not on the same level in, in terms of like how, how hyperactive it is. It is it is very fast, but not as like, well, it's not so much know, mind numbingly fast as take you. It, it's hyperness compared to action as opposed to interaction. So mm. you don't really have to care about the characters. It's it's watching shit happen. And there's an amazing analysis, actually, I think, um, Charles Dunbar did it by uh, uh, likening it to uh, the arrow with the supreme like ruler. I can't remember the name of the era, but um, worshiping this this girl who controls the school because she is the highest mm. element. Um, yeah, has just like so. I mean, the the story. I guess we should describe what it's about, right? What? <laughs> is a story? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's more of a story in this than other stuff. You don't need to know the story to care about watching it. Yeah, no, that's the thing is I, I do think it is a show that has uh, there's something going on. It's not just like eye candy. It's not just action and, and well, fan service, which we'll talk about. But there is like they are trying to write something in there. And uh, I think it's really cool that they're trying something. I'll, I'll bring that up. And there's all sorts of things to talk about with this show. Uh so the, what the show is about is a uh, there's this school ink just, you know, uh, touched on this a little bit. So uh, oh, what's the name of the school? Oh, God, I can't remember any of the names in here. Not because I don't <laughs> care, but because they're just so. It's a Honoji oh. Academy. It's Honoji Academy. I mean, that's Academy. one of the simple ones. Um, so Honoji Academy is ruled by uh, this girl called named uh, Satsuki, and she's the. She's like the student council president, but she's essentially a fascist ruler of this school. Uh, and it has this this, you know, hierarchy of uh, of students going down from her to the, the lowly normal students. And the hierarchy is determined by their their uniforms. Uh, so they're called Goku uniforms. It's a, a pun in Japanese that isn't really translatable directly into English. But they're uh, like the word for student is Gakse and then school uniform is gakuseifuku so uh they're called gokuseifuku uh i actually don't know what the goku part means somebody may know that <laughs> but yeah it's uh, so it's like goku school uniforms and these are super powered uniforms so like there are one star two star and three star uniforms and depending on the number of stars you have you get more powerful and it like amplifies your natural abilities so uh it's this kind of like school you know superpower fighting thing where this uh this new girl comes to school and she's there to find out who killed her dad. And she's going to fight some people. And she's going to, you know, her, so her, that's the main character, Ryuko. And uh, she's going to fight some people. She's going to fight Satsuki. And she's going to find something out about her dad. In order to fight all these people with super-powered uniforms, uh, Ryuko ends up getting a, a talking school uniform that kind of, like, attaches to her like a parasite. Uh, and I'm not remembering the name of her uniform. Um, none of us are going to remember that, I guess. So her uniform uh, feeds on her blood and also is uh, very skimpy, which becomes a, a 
plot point and also a major point of fan service. So whenever she transforms magical girl style into her super powered form, she bears a lot of skin. And, uh, you know, there are these comedy scenes of all the, the guys watching on and, you know, blushing and clapping and cheering for her. This show, I mean, I mean, we were all hyped up for it, right? I mean, there's no yeah. denying that anybody, like nobody had any doubts that this was just going to blow our minds. So it's just kind of, it, but it wasn't even like, uh, I wasn't ready for it. You know, I wasn't predictably having my mind blown. Like right, right from the intro, you know, my hair just stood on end. It yeah. stood up so, so just rigid that when I lay, when I went to lean back on my seat, I couldn't put my head on the on like the headrest <laughs> because my hair just went so stiff at just the anticipation of what I was David, about I'm to watch. I'm replacing your entire monologue there. I'm replacing the word hair with something else. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, it makes it so much funnier. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, just to, I guess just to conclude, you know, it was just really difficult to sit for the, uh, for the, the entirety of any of those episodes because it was just, <laughs> you know. Okay, so I'll, I'll at least try to uh, call this into something more meaningful. It, it's, it's <laughs> what is so meaningless it's about what I said? Down while do watching it, um, it's it's got the craziness of Garan Lagan. It's it's got that sort of hyperactivity, that that will to do I'd something. Say it's more also. What? It's also like more hyperactive than Garan Lagan in a lot of ways. It's shorter cuts, but I think it's the same level of yeah. energy. Mm. Um, but even even the donning of the outfit, which you could liken to Maho Shoujo, um, is strictly taken from Garan Lagan because it's the adapting of some personal force to an outer mechanism. So you have her drawing the blood to animate the outfit, which gives her power. And I really love that as, as, a, as a plot device. Not even a plot device. I guess just a mechanism within the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that made me keep watching it. I mean, yeah, shows skin, whatever. It has a lot of fun with how outrageous it is. And it knows yeah. it, but it doesn't flaunt it. Like, well, there's there's something about what Imaishi does, and I can't. I'm still trying to like find the words to describe this. But he's. It's like he's always he's always telling a joke, but he's never laughing at it. Like he's just hmm. completely always like all in on everything he does. So it the way he does that fan service and and you know accepting the outrageousness of it is is unique, I think, because he's never like he's never doing it and being this like cynical parody where he's like, haha, isn't fan service dumb or something? He's just like, no man, I just I just like naked girls and I think it's cool and like I don't know, let's just make a show about them fighting. It's like he's trying. He's transcended the ability to to laugh at his own jokes, but then just say, we, as the observers, are just we're kind of kind of blown back by what we're seeing. Yeah, he's it's like he's respectful of his characters, but at the same time, he's like, I like naked chicks. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. I'd I'd actually disagree because of Mako. Uh, Mako is uh, the protagonist's uh, first encountered friend at the school and kind of the person she latches onto. And she's well, Mako latches onto Ryuko, oh, yeah. <laughs> but vice versa as well. I mean, by the end, she uh, the main character is living at her house and eating her food because she has nowhere yeah, else to I, go. But Ryuko is like a reluctant friend. She's like got a super big attitude, which is why she's awesome. <laughs> but also awesome is the fact that she's portrayed as every single two D 
best friend ever. That's true. <laughs> and every 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 single two D schoolgirl character, because within the first what minute of meeting her, she falls asleep at her desks, eats a mass <laughs> amounts of food, and does like so uh, every other stereotypical thing seen in every other uh, uh, school high school anime. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I saw that and I was like, okay, this is someone who's existing within the realm and knows what he's doing, reworking everything. Yeah. But it's like he's he just he never feels cynical. He's he always just feels like a like a kid who's really excited that he gets to make cartoons. But having having that character, having that one character go through all those phases within five seconds, that's extremely cynical. That's that's pointing out to the industry. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh. I wouldn't say like extremely because like, you know, when you're cynical, you're kind of trying to, you know, I guess um, make other people feel bad about what, you know, the, uh, right. what they're exactly. doing. But that doesn't doesn't really but, make me feel bad for watching shows like that, you know, not, you know. Not ironically. Yeah, know. that's what I mean. He's he's never ironic. That's what it is, right? Yeah. He's he's never like that kind of insincere trying to be above what he's doing. He's he, that's like a good way to describe it. Yeah, because he's always like invested in it. He, you can tell with the the energy that you know all of his scenes have, and when you you know hear him in commentary tracks talking about dead leaves and stuff, you can tell this is a guy who like he makes these crazy things, and he's like, I love it. I just love making yeah. crazy yeah, like, stuff. He wouldn't make something for like the purpose of disliking it. Right, is not, what I would say not for the purpose of disliking it, but he can add that to the formula. And that's I, I, I clearly got that from the film. It's like, okay, yeah, here's this, here's this 2D character that you need, and you need to balance the main character, but she really doesn't add anything. So let's just have her go through all these stereotypical things in like five seconds, get it out of the way, and get to the main character who we all want to focus on, which is exactly what happens. Well, the, there is there is that's a good point with like getting directly to stuff because he he also doesn't waste time, which is awesome. He's just like he knows where he's going, and he's like, all right, you know, let's let's have this comedy bit happen for a tiny bit, and then we're right off. We cut directly to you know the next thing that needs to happen. There's no you know slow panning shots to save animation time and things like that, <laughs> or to stall for animation time. I think we should talk about the fan service. This isn't going to be a full review. We've only seen three episodes. That's all that's out as of this uh, recording, so we can't really talk about the whole show. But uh, I definitely don't want to spoil. There's some fan service related things that are that we could spoil here. I don't want to spoil them, but uh, the at least let's just talk about the basics with like Ryuko transforming. Um, what, what were your guys' reaction to that? Because that's been the main controversial thing. I've heard a lot of people who didn't watch it because they weren't comfortable with that. Honestly, I saw it and just went. So that's where you're going to go with it. Okay, why? <laughs> And I'm still waiting for the right. why, hmm. especially after yeah. um, the, the the plot to this thing, the way the uniform is supposed to evolve uh, in power is after each opponent defeated, it gains a strand of fiber, These the, the specific fiber that's used uh, to enhance. That's a little bit of, I don't, don't get into too much detail because that's like some, right. I don't want to get much beyond like the first episode in terms of details. Okay. Well, let's say the uniform is made to evolve and by doing so, it adds something from those defeated and... I was disappointed in the fact that it did the uniform itself did not fill in, but just sort of glowed for a second uh, and forgot about that's it. That's a good point. Hmm. Yeah, I actually think it'd be really interesting to see that she gains more clothes as the uh, <laughs> exactly. as the series I, progresses, and then she's just fully clothed by the end and just kind of you know. I think that would be a great normally statement, dressed. actually. 
Because they do have a thing about nudity. I mean, they do they do say things. It's not just um, it's not just there, you know, just to really well. That's rile oh, yeah, it's very, very self aware. Right. Yeah. That that's one of the things that I think is really interesting is that like I can't tell where it's going with the nudity, but it's talking about it, which so many things don't do, right? I mean, that's that's like a main issue with like you know people in like kind of feminist geekdom type stuff is that so much of the uh uh sexualization of women in media goes unquestioned it just happens and it's like well that's just the way it is you know like these warrior women they need to be able to move and so they don't wear any armor right and it's it's like it never gets questioned unless somebody outside of the story like a viewer says what's up with this but they're talking about it like the nudity is a thing that is integral to the story in uh, in Kill La Kill and I don't know where he's going with it I don't know if I'm gonna like where they're going with it but they're at least not just aware of it but actually seriously talking about it I think um I think already by episode three he's kind of making some points it's not really just kind of like uh, oh I don't know where this is going this is um I think the thing is though because like it started saying it in the middle of just this incredible uh action scene that i don't (laughs) i don't know if people are really catching into the subtleties because it is definitely like what i mean they are screaming the dialogue at each other and yes uh kill a kill is something that's painted through very broad strokes there is something you know you gotta kind of look you know look i mean what they what what i was always told you know when i saw like some sort of postmodern art which would be just like a big square on a canvas you know this just like you know get up and look at the texture of the stroke it's a single stroke mm. but there's textures there and i think what he's mm, trying to say is <laughs> in is in those textures you know if we uh if we say kill a kill is constructed through uh several broad strokes that don't really seem to right now to other people that are looking from afar like they're making something but they, I, I do feel like there is something like there are intentions here you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say that they're gonna leave us hanging yeah, I imagine it won't be unlike Gurren Lagann, which is a show I think was very broad strokes, very exaggerated, but it was kind of, you know, saying some interesting things about human nature in a very, you know, exaggerated kind of like, oh, spiral power, humans, you know, evolve and whatever, you know, it was very cartoonish, but it I, it was like, it was focused, it kind of knew what it was doing, it was trying to say something that was, you know, able to be said within the confines of its story and then did it. And I Hopefully, I think, you know, it seems like that's where Kill La Kill's going to be going, but with some other thing that it's saying. Possibly. I mean, Ron Lagun was, you know, basically formed around, you know, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, you had the mm. Spiral Universe, or what was the other universe? Anti-Spiral or something. <laughs> the Anti-Spiral. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's so delightfully simple, yeah. that show. You had the Anti-Spirals, you know, having dominated everything, and then the Spirals coming up, as it were. Um to defeat them here it's much the same thing i mean you have the the protagonist who's the underdog coming up against the established ruler of the school who mandates all the uniforms for the students who then you know that gives them the power that she wants them to um you have the select group of you know bosses that she has to battle um it's much around the same track so i'm i'm curious as to what the subtext exactly is 
Well, I think there's a lot of subtext subtext that is developing around the uh, the nudity and the the fan service and stuff. Uh, Definitely. So I think there's like there's a bunch of stuff to talk about there that I would like to write an article about at some point. You know, especially if the show develops it more, which I think it will. But th- there's a lot of interesting stuff going on where like Ryuko transforms and she's embarrassed by the costume, and then you know all the the guys nearby are are looking at her, howling and, at her. You know, yeah. <laughs> Right, and it's like, well, you, well, the male viewers are looking at her too, right? It's like this almost like a, a very Imaishi commentary on the male gaze, right? Where he's not really, he's not really being smart about it exactly. He's just like, oh, look, it's a naked girl, and these guys are looking, you're looking, I don't know, you know, like he's not really like saying anything yet. Um, but yeah, there's there's that. There's the fact that like her her nudity gives her power, which is like it, it's it's all uncomfortable to me as a feminist. Well, but I think there's something that's going to you know develop out of that. And I think as the episodes have gone on, I've I've felt that more and more. Without uh, without spoilers though, your your assumption there is actually nullified by episode three because uh, her her uh, her embarrassment is actually what holds her back. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So it's more I'm, it's I'm more it's, saying... it's more taking uh taking back if you will the uh right. the female form or you know whatever it's expressing. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's for it's largely for otaku, but it it there there well, there's a I, good I, deal of I, statement see, about I don't know. about confidence in there, which is the main thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean it's it seems like it's developing into a a coming of age story. Yeah, I think there's there's just some interesting dichotomy there, you know, about embarrassment and uh and empowerment and like a, a power fantasy too mm. that is, you know, projected onto a female character instead of a male character and like two female characters, right? So there's the there's like a power dynamic between two female characters and all the male characters are just on the sidelines, which is like a thing that anime's done before. So, you know, it's not anime has a way of somehow turning things that could be feminist into being kind of sexy. Yeah. So Go figure. Uh, I wonder how much this show will go along with that trend or, you know, kind of twist it to some other purpose. Uh, some, something you mentioned actually just struck a chord. The uh, the, the dual feminist protagonist uh, with, mm. with the main character and her sidekick, as it were. The the sidekick actually steps in at a lot of points. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about the, the hero and the villain. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, the sidekick. Continue. Yeah. Uh, she's she's at least not uh, dependent upon the protagonist. She's actively mm. involved in guarding her at certain points because the protagonist is actually flawed in the fact that she only has a limited time to exact her revenge, as it were. Um, right. And without even knowing that, the sidekick comes in and is actively uh, you know, intervening on her behalf. So I, I kind of like that angle as well. Um. Yeah, I think we should probably move on to like other topics. But something I did want to mention was I one of the coolest things about the show so far for me has been uh, the 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 power dynamic between Ryuko and Satsuki because they're very different characters with like very different motivations and worldviews, and they're at these different ends of power. Right, this like underdog story. Ryuko is this newcomer to the school with like nothing but the power of her her school uniform. Uh, and then Satsuki has control of the entire school and she's this fascist dictator. And the show like visually accents that too. So there are lots of awesome scenes that do like this 
kind of sweeping shot that goes up the tower to the top where Satsuki is standing and stuff like that. And it really accentuates the, the difference in power. And that's obviously like a major part of the show. For sure. Anything else? Well, to add, to add to your description, the, the flag flying banner, you know, mm. flight up the stairs to the tower where the uh, Satsuki resides. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to say one thing about the, uh, a lot of people are complaining uh, about, I think it was episode three that they se- it seems like the budget ran out, whatever they're trying to say, like that. it looks low budget. People say that all the time about anime. People, yeah, people say that don't all, know what they're talking all about. the time about anime, but uh, I, th- I do see a little bit of point with, um, at least with the, all the episodes after the first episode, because the first episode was animated and it was immaculate with its animation. But, uh, you know, after episodes two and three, I wouldn't say that it's gone low budget, but I think Trigger's just really smart with their money in terms of animating. That's the thing, yeah. They're they, a small had, studio. I don't know the size, but they're small. I think that's what it really impresses me, you know, not just like, you know, the really big moments, but also like the little moments, you know, the moments you have to get through to, you know, get to those big moments, you know, because you can't, you know, you can't invest tens of thousands of dollars into, you know, every single cut that you make. Right. So they've, uh, whatever, whatever they've been doing on the inside, you know, because they've been, they've definitely been using uh, Inferno Cop, at least as a training ground, <laughs> you know, because some of the animation, getting the most some, out of limited animation. some of the animations are, they're just so cheap in Kill a Kill. Yeah. But just the way that they did it, you know, that's what's well, really and important. That's, that's actually something that's distinctive about Imaishi uh, in again, in like the, the Dead Leaves commentary track, which is like very good if you're a fan of his work. Uh, the you know, the commentary track in particular is good to check out. He does talk about how he prefers in a, in a lot of cases to uh, not put as much detail into a shot so that he can get more expression out of it. And that's very clear in Kill La Kill. They've got what seems to be a limited budget and, and a limited staff, but they know how to use limited animation in interesting ways so that, you know, you can not have to draw too many pictures, but you can get a lot of expression. There's like a great, there's a great pan over a still shot in, I think, episode three that has all of the characters' reaction shots in a single stylized still shot. Hmm. And it just pans over it, and it's awesome. And it's one drawing. I mean, if you'll see... Cause like that's the uh, that's the frame of mind that Trigger is going by. But then you see what other studios do when they have to you know cheaply animate something. You know it never. Yeah. It, I feel right. like it doesn't come out good because they're just getting really ambitious. We're like lazy. they want to make other studios. I mean like with other studios they like they don't really know how to translate you know the idea that's in the script into the animation. Well, yeah, I, I think it's just a lot of them are probably just not great creative artists. Like, I think a lot of them are probably more like these craftsmen who know how to, like, build the thing that you that's, give that's them. That's the thing, though. Like, people want to want to build, you know, chapels when they can't even construct a chair. Or maybe they just don't even care. It's part of a production. That's also yeah. like, like, nobody, of, like, not know, only, art. Not, yeah. not only do they not have the skills or, you know, the actual investment into caring it's just all yeah i mean it's it's just a lot of a lot of a lot of bad stuff involved i mean when you push when you push the animators to the degree that they are pushed in that industry i mean you know you're gonna get a lot of still shots pan that don't really have any sort of emotional 
uh, connotation whatsoever. Right. But it's if just you get like, someone, trigger makes you, it seem so just effortless when they have to make a cheap shot. Well, sure. When you when you right. have a director that cares, he wants every still shot to count. So he will make sure that still shot, you know, uh, exhibits what he wants to exhibit from every single character. So that one pan shot that Evan was talking about with everyone reacting with their own individual, you know, takes on it that was planned. And that made smart use of what you referred to, you know, as their as their smart money sense, you know, perfectly. Yeah. Have either of you seen the Little Witch Academia uh, making of? No. No. Oh man, you should totally see that. I need to wanna, watch that. I'm so see, interested in Trigger's production you, yeah, process. If you want to see what goes on, you should want to. You're gonna want to watch that. Just <laughs> as an aside. Uh, yeah, and actually, it's worth mentioning that the uh, director and like everything on Little Witch Academia, the he's like the director and the writer and the original creator and the background artist and the character designer. His name's Yo Yoshinari. He's doing background art on Kill La Kill, and that actually helps a lot because he's a great background artist. So if you're not moving the characters a lot, you still have like these great uh you know the great backgrounds that are you know filling in the scene and when you do a still shot like that a stylized still shot is done by the art department which is directed by yo yoshinari so that's like why a, a great stylized still shot looks really good because yoshinari is the guy behind it mm. so anybody have any last words on kill a kill watch it yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Watch it. I mean, it could get bad. It's still airing. We don't want to claim that this is definitely awesome all the time. But as of the first three episodes, I think we all recommend it. And we think it's it looks like it's going places. So it's worth keeping up on. Plus, it's like the only thing anybody really cares about right now. If you want to actually talk to people about anime right yeah. now. <laughs> Anything that started this season. But it's not going to save anime. People stop saying things are oh, going to save it's just anime. A dumb it's like meme. a stupid meme. Dumb meme. Saving at no, it's just it's a good cartoon. Watch it and enjoy it as a good cartoon. Stop talking about saving at. Yes. Don't even get me started on the dumb memes that some of you people say. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Things that we're doing. Video games. I am playing a game called Awesome Knots. What the Have hell? Have you played Awesome no, Knots? No, what the I hell is Awesome Knots? Oh, it's a stupid name. It's a really bad name. <laughs> Uh, awesome Knots is a platformer MOBA. Do you know what a MOBA is? No idea. It's a League of Legends game. That's right. Oh, okay. So a MOBA is what we came up with, and by we I mean other people who are not me, uh, to describe Dota clones. This is so... T I'm trying to write so a review dumb. for this, and I realize I have to define like four acronyms. So <laughs> a MOBA stands for a multiplayer online battle arena. Dota is Defense of the Ancients. That was a game that a bunch of other games copied and they were called dota clones and then everybody said calling something a dota clone is stupid so they were like we'll instead give it a stupid acronym so they used multiplayer online battle arena so anyway it's like league of legends uh and defense of the agents if you've heard of those so those, they're they're like three lanes that you you've got these like npc soldier dudes who go across and try to attack the other guy's base and then there are towers along the way that uh are also run by npcs and and they like you know your guys are not going to get past the towers unless you destroy the towers and you play as like a special character who has special abilities and you go destroy the towers and stuff and there i think probably depends on the game because i haven't played any other mobas but i think there's like three players on each team uh that each get you know they pick their special character with their abilities so i got awesome knots 
through the humble indie bundle and it's uh it's like a platformer twist on that structure of game because usually a MOBA's played top down looks almost like a an rts like a real-time strategy uh, video game acronyms i hate them have you played moba suit gundam oh <laughs> <laughs> Is that thing? does that exist no i wouldn't put it past them <laughs> probably in japanese though yeah right um so yeah so awesome nuts is kind of cool like i uh I like it because I like platformers and I've never played a MOBA and I don't want to play your stupid League of Legends. So uh, awesome. I like we lost all our listeners right there because everybody likes League of Legends. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, if you if you like platformers, it's kind of cool because you get to use platformer mechanics, but then use the strategy of a MOBA where you're working together with your two teammates and kind of jumping around the level, you know, moving your uh, your your, you don't like command your forces but you're you know you have your abilities and they might be better used in some point on the map or another and you're kind of always negotiating that between your other two teammates uh it's also like this really charming super cartoony thing uh so it's all 2d animated uh and like the voice acting is really funny and it has like crazy characters and very good music so like the the characters are all these weird animal things where they're like a hybrid between an animal and, and some weird concept. So it's like best illustrated by just describing it, like describing particular ones. There's a they're all like space marine type things or space mercenaries, all these characters. So like one of them is a, a frog rapper named Froggy G. <laughs> so it's like really absurd. Uh, there's like Admiral Squiggins or something is a new character they added. And he's a, a squid who's like a spaceship admiral or something. Um, so yeah, it's pretty wacky. Uh, every time you kill an enemy, they say you have killed an enemy. Like they intentionally say uh instead of an. I don't know why, but it's funny every single time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't know how much it is right now. Like you can get it on Steam. Oh, like $2. But, uh, hopefully. It, it's, it's, I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think I saw that game for $2. It's $9. Or it's like it's 10 bucks on Steam, so you probably want to wait for a sale because I sales. feel like 10 bucks is too much for Coming everybody. Out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool because you like each of the characters plays very differently. So some of them, you know, are more defensive or more offensive. And uh, you can you can really delve pretty deep into a character and, and, you know, learn all these all the different strategies to use for them and get beaten by people who are way better than you. If you're like me, because I like never win any match, even though they're team based and randomly chosen teams. So you would think I would occasionally win, but I can never win in that game. You're just bad at games, though. I'm bad at video games. That that's true. I think I'm probably the reason why my team loses every time. So I feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Uh, David, you're making a video game, aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm making a video game. I used to make video games in college. They weren't very good. No, some of them were okay. I told you they were. One of them. I told you they were okay. That that counts for something. Did you mean they were okay? <laughs> so. So David and I went to school together and we were in some, well, David actually majored in game design, mm -hmm. uh, but we were in some classes together, made some games together. I'm off doing my Crunchyroll thing, but David is like focusing on making oh an indie game, which is pretty I'm cool. To... So there are probably other people who want to make an indie game. David, I'm trying to make and, like... a career out of this thing. And oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I wish like somebody had told me <laughs> what this was all about earlier. Didn't your parents? Oh, my parents didn't really say anything, actually. They kind of left it up to me. Yeah. I have, uh, I have really good parents in that regard, but, uh, oh, man, what do I even, 
what, what should I even start? Somebody get me started. So what goes into uh, making a game? Questions. <laughs> Actually, you know, like that's probably yeah, what do you, a whole what topic do you want that to we can sit down and talk about in another podcast because, like, it's a whole can of worms is how a game gets made. But I mean, like, you've been talking to me about it, like how 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 much work it is as one person trying to come up with just this original concept and make it from scratch, right? I mean, oh my god, yeah. Um, starting from scratch. Well, I mean, first of all, let me let me say that I've never really committed to anything this large in scope ever in my life so this is all like just new like every day is just something new that i have to you know figure out or have to realize that you know i'm gonna get into a lot of a lot of firsts coming up but um when when you say i'm gonna make a game you're make you're like right from there you kind of uh, condemn yourself to several for me i'm on i'm uh, i've crossed over into my first year of development so it's um I mean, you know, I could just say it's a lot of work and not be helpful, but then I can also say there's <laughs> there's a lot of troubles that'll come up. Like pretty much if I had a game development story, it would only just be about, you know, things that went wrong because when you're doing everything by yourself <laughs> yeah. and it's something as technical as a game, uh things are just going to go wrong all the time and then you're just going to have to deal with it and fix it yourself as well like i don't have anybody to really go to because like i just kind of made this personal decision to you know do it all on my own so i don't really have anybody to lean on to for support so you know i guess like if if, uh i wanted to put down like my first tip is that you definitely want somebody to lean on to (laughs) when you're going through this because it is definitely an experience it's not it's not always great and as a matter of fact it's kind of all the time it's just kind of like this monotonous terribleness it's just kind of like this discomfort in your mind and your body or you know until you're done or until you reach a milestone uh right now i'm almost uh i've kind of broken it down into phases so even though i started um last year i am just about to finish phase one of four phases that i've kind of yeah and there's a lot of planning too by the way you actually have to kind of oh, yeah that's if you're making a game I agree with that. oh my god yeah <laughs> definitely for the love of god just plan out what you want you know get it and also get it like on. i guess be yeah it's it, it's also really helpful to be willing to change plans too oh. right like to not oh, be stuck yeah. to i mean them. like if i could give you a story right now is that um <laughs> i i started out doing one thing and then by march i dropped all of it i have so much material that i can't use now I actually have like half of an unusable of unusable product because you know, I didn't I did not put it all down on paper. I kept I kept it all in my mind. And I think that was part of the problem is that I didn't see how you know how much how stupid it was <laughs> what I was doing at yeah, first. How the, how the pieces fit together? Yeah, it was like it was not fitting together. I didn't like it. You know, uh, the person I sent it to wasn't too excited about it. And you know, that's the thing though. You know, uh, I guess that's another piece of advice you know you, you need to have the courage to make the difficult decisions if you're gonna you know start making something by yourself that begs the question though i mean <clears throat> what do you <throat> actually plan out uh what i plan out <laughs> everything uh yeah you want to plan out everything first of all you want to decide like th- that's kind of the thing is you need to like like it's like in uh people say this about animation where like everything 
uh, you know, everything you see on screen has to be made by somebody. There's nothing that's like made for you. Exactly. Right? It's all made from and scratch. And so like, I think when you design a game, you often are not thinking about that, but mm -hmm. every little piece of how everything works, you're like, oh yeah, the bullets shoot. And it's like, well, how fast did the bullets shoot? How much damage did the bullets do? What do the bullets look like? What like color are the every bullets? Every little thing needs to be planned. <laughs> uh yeah but uh when i started out there was actually minimal planning actually i'm kind of um i'm actually kind of lucky in some regard that i could kind of work freely and then not have it affect too much like you know the technical aspect there's a lot of um there's a lot of non-technical stuff to to the thing that i'm making so i can just kind of work and not think about you know uh about you know like overly like you know just like really fine uh, finite details um but if i were to look back and say what could i have done better in terms of planning i would say i would definitely want to narrow the scope down because that's the <laughs> i think that's a, a problem yeah. that everybody has you know it's just unavoidable that is every game designer's unavoidable <laughs> you can never really get over like you because you're really confident in yourself when you're starting out you know like it's fresh it's exciting to say to yourself like wow like i've got an idea that i'm going to commit to you know like i i'm willing to say that this is going to be my life for the foreseeable future but you know you kind of you know if you do have the time you really want to let those ideas linger on paper you don't really even need to send them off to people you just kind of have to put them out there and see how you feel about them because i think that's what's most important like do you feel good about it yeah because you know over point. time you also also kind of you also have to keep in mind, like, you know, like, uh, you want to, you might want to ask yourself, am I going to like this idea six months down the line? That's like an essential question. Yeah. Cause you're going to spend so much time on it that like, if you yeah. hit it by the end. Yeah. Like I've, uh, there are certain parts of it that I, that I, uh, that I've made and I'm thinking about now, like I'm always thinking, I'm like, I'm not even thinking about moving forward. I'm just, I'm kind of stuck in this position where I'm looking at what I've got now and I want to move on to the, uh, like you know like the re the revisionary stage before i'm even done with it so you know yeah. i'm kind of being pulled in both directions and that's like a lot of the early stuff that i want to when i want to revise yeah i think it, it might actually be interesting for us to do a whole podcast on this this is like a big topic and we're, mm. we're hardly experts but you know it's an interesting topic to discuss uh and i do think we're like running low on time so we're gonna it's have just to a teaser then wrap it up yeah yeah, yeah. i just thought it'd be interesting because you're you know, in the middle of the development uh and kudos for actually taking that step to you know making shit oh my god so much work <laughs> do we have anything else to uh to bring up before the end of the show okay so jeff tibets or whatever his name is pronounced T on yeah, Twitter, whatever um g tips usually puts out these you know uh you know what are your top three anime of the season and everyone wildly disagrees but this uh the, for last season summer uh 2013 surprisingly almost everyone who answered his survey had eccentric family which features a bunch of tanuki um uh, uh you know put that in their in their top three but it remained unlicensed for the longest time and finally well, unlicensed for for home distribution uh, yeah. home yeah home video distribution right He's streaming <laughs> on where on where evan is it on crunchyroll.com you know i dropped that after one episode because you really? suck i mean like not only do i suck but it was just because i didn't have time to finish watching but aren't i did you, like what you, i see oh. aren't you going to kyoto well you don't suck it's all like actually yeah kyoto. no no because it's, because it's all in kyoto i actually do yeah. want to watch it now so that i can be all like oh i saw that in this anime 
I want to have that yeah, experience. I, I, I saw like some of it was on at work and uh, I walked past because I haven't seen it, but I walked past and I was like, oh, I was there. I was there. And it was all like <laughs> in the course of like 30 seconds. I was like, I was there. I was there. I was. Oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> well, the, uh, the thing is, it was kind of weird because Hulu put up um, eccentric family to stream and it, oh. and it listed Nisa or NISM, uh, NIS America as the distributor, but NIS is yet to actually announce that it has it. So it's oh. an unofficial announcement, but seeing that it's up and streaming on some other source listing NIS as a distributor, it's more or less a waiting game. So everyone should be happy when the announcement is finally made, if it's made. Yeah. It's better Sounds than cool. Chihirafuru, is that. what I'm telling. What? It's, what? it's better wait, than Wait, wait, say that again. Now say that again no without way. me talking over you. It's better than Chihirafuru if... He just said that, guys. There you go. I know. I'm sold on it now. I'm going to actually start watching it after this is over. <laughs> of course, I was talking about the circumstance of distribution rather than the anime itself. No, but that was enough, though. you on that. We're... <laughs> He's going to cut that. Yeah. Out of context. <laughs> That's the only way you get hits, anyway. That's right. Controversy. Ink yeah. controversy. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of our show, which uh, may have been good or may have also been bad. I think it was okay. It was better than the not existent <laughs> first take. Better than the first try. Yeah. That's true. Where can we find you good people on the internet? You can find uh, me, Ink, at uh, anagamers.com. Uh, you, can oh, also, yes. you can also find me on the pages of Otaku USA occasionally and uh, on fandompost.com more occasionally. <laughs> You posted, you're on fandom posts? I didn't know that. Indeed. That's cool. Yeah, they're taking our writers. I know. That's not cool. I gotta step up my game now, because seeing as uh, Ink's now leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> this is home, not, man. This what is are home. you? Like, what, what are you, man? Like, you gotta, you gotta play for one team, you know? It's either Yankees or Red Sox here. <laughs> oh, no, no. I review, Which are we? I, I made sure to review Funimation.com on the other site, so it wouldn't have to have a disclaimer on our site. <laughs> <laughs> You can review Funimation. You just can't review anything that I work on. Yeah, except it would have to be like this. This anti-Funimation review has nothing to do with my love for Crunchyroll. That's true. Oh, so now uh, I guess Ink said his piece. Um, I'm just on Twitter. I guess I don't have anything else. What's Uh, your Twitter? Yeah, it's uh, at sign (laughs) QX20XX. I'm at at sign. P-A-M-P-T-V-O. It sounds so bad when you say it, right? It's so good. Oh, man. Hashtag AnnieGamers. Number sign AnnieGamers. Hashtag, yo. Um, We're all so tired. There's there's also an AnnieGamers account on Twitter if you want to talk to us on... I I sometimes post If you can't talk to us personally, you know, you can just talk to the... uh... You can you can the tweet faceless, at us the faceless too. blog account. You could also tweet at the faceless blog account, which has more followers than all of us combined. I, I don't know. Somehow. I never post on it. Um, so it that's a uh, at sign A N I gamers. <laughs> Stop. Um, so uh, so also like more stuff about Annie Gamers. Uh, there's AnnieGamers.com. It's a website. What? Uh, it's a blog. We have posts about anime, manga, and video games. Uh, some columns and cool stuff, and convention coverage. Check that out if you like words, like if you like to reading. read. If you like to read things, yeah. Um, we assume that most of you are illiterate, but if any of you are actually interested in reading, uh... <laughs> we insult the audience before reading. <laughs> because so, we need uh, less readers. 
and listeners. Um, see, like Ink doesn't even know how to speak. We we need fewer listeners, Ink. Uh, we're just about as illiterate as you are, guys. So, what else do I have to promote about the site? Yeah, like, so if you want to check stuff out about the podcast, there's podcast.anygamers.com. You can go there to complain about having too many episodes out this year. Like, we have three, which is way too many. Uh, and you can comment on the posts and subscribe and do all that stuff at podcast.anygamers.com. If you want to send us emails, like to ask us a question or tell us to talk about something or tell us to put out more or less podcasts, fewer podcasts. Confide your darkest secrets whatever. to me. Yeah, you can do that too. I put out like a challenge to the, the <laughs> listeners to to email me and force me to do something. And uh, they, they never emailed me, which means probably nobody listens. Or nobody cares enough. That was in a previous episode. You'll have to go back and find it. So, uh, yeah, podcast at anygamers.com if you want to talk to us on there. Uh, and we're on iTunes. You could, uh, you could like, review us there if you want to tell people that only, we're good. Only five-star reviews. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to lie and give a five-star review, feel free. We prefer you to not give any other review but a five-star review. That's not true. If you have a four-star, it's cool. But you have to explain why. If you have a four-star Goku uniform... <laughs> That would be the ultimate Goku uniform. They don't go up to four stars yet. You know they will. Well, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. So, yeah, that's probably about it. Thanks for listening. Go watch Kill a Kill. <laughs> Good night. And buy Awesome Knots and watch Take You and I guess watch Space Brothers. Yes. Go back and watch all the episodes of Space Brothers. All 100 episodes. 70. Yeah. Bison Wolf is bad. It's good. Hey. It's a bad show. It's a good, it's a good show. Good books. Good <laughs> You're outvoted here. That's true. I, I am outvoted, but I am also right. <laughs>